tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads from over 200 countries and your number one source in after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hello, everybody. You are watching and listening to AfterBuzz TV Spotlight On. Today, we have a spotlight on William Pilgrim and the All Grows Up. I'm Jason Eichler, and joining me in the studio today, we've got Ish and PM. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Thanks for coming in today, guys. Ah, oh, thank you. So this is obviously your music playing in the background. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to that. But first, I want to rewind, because your guys' stories are very inspiring. Um, let's start with you, Ish. How did you first get into music? You know, I am um, uh, Michael Jackson. When I was about four, five years old, uh, the man was pretty much a god on earth. And, okay. Uh, and I was inspired by just how many people he was touching. And uh, I think after watching him <laughs> perform, I was able to kind of see that this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And that's kind of where it started for me. What about you? Who was your first big influence? You know, it's uh, I'm a lot older than Ish, so <laughs> I go back to... Crosby, Stills, and okay. Ash, Dylan, uh, you know, Elton John, that kind of stuff. You can actually kind of hear those two mash together, though, when you listen to your music, because it's kind of got, like, that folky, soulful vibe to it. Yeah, no one told us that we couldn't, so we did. That's awesome. So then, Ish, you, did you grow up singing? Yeah. <clears throat> Forgive me. Uh, oh, you good? Yeah, I did. When I was growing up, it was mainly uh, to myself. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I grew up singing uh, since I was a little boy, since I could pretty much talk. That's what I've been doing and wanted to do whole life. So then you moved out to L.A. to pursue music, and it all kind of spiraled downhill, right? Yeah, you know, I was uh, I was already on the street before I came to L.A. Okay. And I just I was in Kansas, and I had just lost my job, a place to stay, and all of my money. And I had just enough money to buy a Greyhound ticket to anywhere I wanted to in America and uh, I bought a ticket to California and uh, things spiraled pretty pretty fast after that what would you say if people ask you like your story everybody always wants to know like how did it happen was there one I'm sure there wasn't just one thing that made you homeless obviously it's not moving here not finding a job lots of things sort of walk us through the journey when you get to LA what happened well I I get to LA Step off the Greyhound bus, and the first thing I run into is, like, Hollywood Boulevard. It takes, like, five minutes to realize and take in what is going on here. And essentially uh, what lets me be on the street is just not knowing anybody, not having uh, any uh, connections, and uh, just, just not a system in place to deal with somebody in my position. So... I quickly fell into the scene of, you know, of uh, doing drugs and, like, having fun. And I just kind of ended up meandering around for, like, uh, a few years. And then and then after a few years, it stopped being fun. And that's when the reality okay. set in, yeah. 
And were you doing music this whole time as well? Oh, yeah, this whole time. The whole reason I came to California was to do uh, music. Yeah, I was uh, fortunate enough to still find producers and uh, find talent. Eventually, I put together a band with nothing but homeless musicians, and we were out there hitting the road for a while. Okay. I'm sorry. Not yeah, you're road, good. Nothing. But like the local area yeah, yeah, yeah. of Hollywood, yeah. How does that like work? Like, Where do you practice? Where do you... Under a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh, we uh, we did it in the parking lot. Okay. Uh, behind uh, behind the art school that we were uh, going to, and so every day or a few times a week after the school would close, we would break our instruments out and uh, and do our thing and have some fun. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then you eventually, for you guys to come together, you posted an ad online. Yeah, man. I just uh, yeah, I was tired of being broke, and I was okay. kind of, <laughs> and I was uh, I was kind of hungry, and I was like, man, it's been long since you had like a solid wad of yeah. cash. I posted an ad online saying, hey, for this amount of money, I will come in and I will do the job better than anybody else can do the job. And after all that huffing and puffing, I put the ad up there and nothing. Nothing Just like just dead silence. Then about a month later, uh, I get an email from Phil here saying, hey, I got this awesome project. I'm putting out together in Orange County. He gave me a list of the musicians that he was working with and I blew them off. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't need the hundred dollars. I don't need to go to Orange County. (laughs) And then then finally he sent me an email saying, hey, this is what it is. We'll compensate you for your time. Just come out and uh, give us a shot. And then the rest is just kind of history just okay. kind of snowballed from that point so were you still homeless at the time where you were posting the ad and oh yeah okay. oh, yeah i was going to the library and posting ads i may have posted on a smartphone or something okay. he, he was homeless uh, through the recording of the entire oh, wow. first album okay and uh, i didn't know for a good portion of the time oh wow you know you kind of pick up on certain hints um but you know didn't really make all the connections and i think we pretty much had the whole album done before you even you know, knew before we talked about it. I'd say. So, how did you find the ad? Um, just looking for a singer, looking for a unique voice, and uh, was interviewing and talking to a bunch of different singers, and his voice stuck out. Okay. Um, but then, you know, he disappeared. He wouldn't answer <laughs> yeah. emails or anything. And at the time, you just think it's flaky. But you know, if you look at how a lot of the kids are living on the street, to be out of communication uh, is quite frequent i mean yeah. it's not like they have a cell phone plan you know they're relying on you know, hot spots and things like that so uh, i just thought he was being flaky okay so when you get in the studio together because i'm also interested to know how you make the music because it's really really good what was the songwriting process like did you already have songs written that you just needed a singer for for the first project uh a lot of the songs were written um but we quickly connected on a songwriting level so we wrote a few songs together for the first album and then this new album was uh, pretty much a collaboration between us because by that time you know we kind of knew what we had yeah we'd worked with each other and you know so we were very anxious to get at the second album so when did you sort of let out that you were homeless and you know i don't think i really you know, funny. I don't even remember the moment. Either he, either he picked up on it and just kind of put it out there. Okay. Or one day, or maybe I, uh, I don't remember uh, how it came out, but I was just trying to, uh, I was trying to keep it to I, to myself because I didn't want to lose any opportunities or anything. I think once I got comfortable, I was able to come out and say it. I kind of felt that once you get a sense of me, 
it's a lot bigger than whatever my setbacks are. Yeah. So. And you don't want that to define you going into the situation? Is that why you kept it? Yeah, yeah. I want to be respected uh, as a musician who's just showing up to work and uh, doing the best he can. That's that's awesome. (laughs) And like I said, you pick up on clues, but, you know, Ish is... probably smelled funny. (laughs) Consistently. Consistently. What is that? There was that. (laughs) But, you know, his background, you know, goes beyond just being homeless. Yeah. He's a foster kid. He grew up in group homes and things. So there are a lot of things uh, based on his life that were new. And so they kind of tipped me off as, hey, well, this is odd, you know, going to a restaurant or doing certain things where, you know, that's a little, you know, something unusual. So over (laughs) time, you kind of piece together the story that, you know, this guy has a very interesting upbringing. And talk to me a little bit about how that's influenced the music, because I feel like in music today, you don't really hear people sing with that sort of passion and realness where you're like, oh, he's like not even knowing your story, just listening to you. I'm like, he's been through some stuff and it comes out. Yeah, Yeah. man. It's how the greatest singers of all time have had that quality. Um, Go ahead. No, you. you. I mean, you wanted to know how much does the story influence the music? Yeah. You know, I think at this point in the beginning, I wanted to separate the story and the music. And uh, Phil just told me that that just wasn't possible. He said the story will actually fuel the music. And uh, nowadays, the story uh, is the music. Maybe not verbatim and word for word, but how it inspires the songwriting is uh, a lot of it is the things I've seen. It's either things I've seen on the street or things that have happened to me. And I hate to say it, but like when you're around great suffering and great struggle, there's some great real like inspiration there. Mm -hmm. And when you get a sense of, uh, I guess, the banality of it all, you're kind of clued into like, okay, this is how it needs to sound. They're never going to get it if I don't deliver this song with this kind of a vocal timbre. So a lot of it was just... um, you realize that to tell your own story, it's beyond just singing and songwriting. You have to be a full-on actor behind the mic and just put on and put on this role. And the role is literally my story. So it's it's really easy to do that. Is there ever anything you're nervous to talk about, or you just lay it all out there? If he hits something, he'll come over the table. <laughs> you know, there was uh, Oh, there was some child abuse that happened okay. when I was uh, when I was a kid, and I uh, now that I'm a grown man, I, I am somehow wonderfully like unaffected. But there are some issues that I never went back to deal with. I just like threw them in the trash box, and so every once in a while, people will unintentionally begin to like peel something. You know, you know, they'll open a scab, and I'll and all of a sudden I realize a wound that I didn't even know was there. Okay, yeah. But I don't. Uh, I try not to. Uh, I try not to carry a chip about it. I just say that hey, a lot of your idols and the ones you look up to, they have some setbacks as well. So, well, and I think it's cool that you're taking the setbacks and turning them into art that people can then listen to if they're going through a similar situation. Yeah, and it's like a very full circle thing. It is a full circle thing. Which want to add something real quick. One yeah. of the. Uh, one of my favorite decades of music, or two decades, is probably the 60s and the uh, 70s. And the reason why I like this was because this was a time when the artists greatly understood the struggle and the suffering of an entire nation. They understood the political corruptness and the economic policies that had screwed things. And what made that music so good is that you had the brave writers who were willing to come forth and put it out there. You know, you had uh, your Bob Dylans. You had um, Curtis Mayfield, a powerful song called People Get Ready. They were... 
uh, they were more willing to provide the soundtrack for the struggle. And I saw that that was our niche. I saw that nobody was going after yeah. that spot. And I was like, all right, game time. Let's go get it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. How do you guys feel? I know I watched when I was watching your web series, there was like a big debate about Jay-Z. How do you guys feel about the current state of the music industry? Because what you're doing is so raw and very like live sounding and a lot of it is very on computers and overly produced you want to go first yeah I, yeah I, I think art is art and uh you know i don't think i have anything negative to say okay if they're pecking it on a computer or whatever they're doing i think that uh, music has room for everybody it's a big tent and uh, mm. if you can express yourself in any way shape or form banging on trash cans you know i applaud you the industry you know that's another story you know, industry is evolving, and the industry's goal is to make money. Uh, that's it. Yeah. And so they take talent, and they figure out, you know, how am I going to monetize that? So I think that if you separate the two, um, you know, we work largely outside of the industry. You know, we do our own stuff. We release our own records. You know, we do what we do. So in doing that, we have a lot of autonomy and control, um, you know, about what our end product is actually uh, so as far as the industry is concerned, you know, they're no different than, you know, Walmart as far, you know, as we see it. Yeah. So that's, mm. as long as you understand what they're there for, you don't have to be angry at them. You just have to understand and not plant your expectations on them. I like that. Um, good one, Phil. <laughs> um, Check. Yeah. Uh, I think I may differ a little bit. Uh, Gene Simmons just recently published an article, and he said uh, – Rock and roll did not die. It was murdered. Wow. And uh, I think, I mean, I hate to be so blunt, but, like, I think that's what I'm seeing. One of the things he pointed out in that article was back when he was coming up with Kiss and back when they were doing their thing, he says, if you were talented enough and you had to hustle, you could be a front a few guys that could lead the charge and get your band like over the hill. Mm-hmm. You could generate a revenue stream and you could, like, you know, perhaps make a little money. And so... Right as I was coming into my own as a musician, what I understood to be success in the music industry just collapsed and folded like overnight. And uh, I feel that music, uh, that modern pop music has lost, it's lost its um, innocence. Okay. It's lost a humility. And and yeah, I am a big, big Jay-Z, huge Jay-Z fan. He's part of, but at the same time, I have to acknowledge how some of my heroes have uh, let us down. Okay. Yeah. Are you guys listening to any current music America. right now? America. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we listen to a lot of stuff. You know, we're, our music is kind of this interesting blend of, you know, you know, country, for lack of a better term, okay. Americana, and, uh, you know, 60s soul, and it's got a little bit of 90s. It's got a lot of different stuff. So, you know, we listen to a lot of strange stuff. What are you listening to now? Man, who am I listening to now? You're uh, just talking about him in the car. Oh, yeah. I, I forget who I was talking about. <laughs> I'm a, there's a band called The Heavy. Okay. And they, uh, they are really, really good. You know, uh, I'm pretty much with him. I dig a lot of uh, older stuff and some vintage stuff. And, uh, you know, generally, if I can nod my head to it and it's got a good rhythm, if the song line is not too bad, I can generally dig it pretty much. Okay. Yeah. What was what was the last song you downloaded? The last oh wow, what was the last song that I think it what was uh, oh yeah, it was a nineties country song. It was called uh uh what was it called? It was a You Walked In by Lone Star. Okay. Yeah. 
What about you? We have a secret. Don't uh, shoot. Country fetish. It's okay. <laughs> I grew up on a cornfield, so I understand. Yeah, man. I'm actually going through my head right now of how I'm going to lie to you. <laughs> because I don't actually want to tell you what Is I really Ariana just Grande? Did. <laughs> it was fancy. Oh. Uh, no, it, it was actually worse than that. I actually downloaded a Luke Bryan song. Oh, uh, it's all right. It's all right. I'm going to be shamed. You got to understand your competition, right? <laughs> exactly. That's what there I'm going to go. go with. So how did you guys sort of go from, because obviously you're making this music, but you're also activist for homeless youth. What sort of made you want to combine the two? It was a natural process. You know, that's what I was doing prior to meeting Ish. Okay. Uh, was, you know, chasing windmills and, you know, trying to, you know, bark at the moon, and then Ish walks in, and he's the embodiment of everything, you know, that I'm yeah. railing against. So it really was a perfect fit. Um, and then with Ish's story, and uh, you know, with so much going on out in the world, we feel rightly or wrongly that we have a voice to be able to uh, speak to these things. So that's what the music evolved from, and you know, that's what we're doing. Okay, we're heading off to New York in two weeks. Uh, to be part of the climate change, uh, the People's Climate March. Oh, New wow. York. And so... We're just going to install some air conditioners. Uh, really, <laughs> hey, you get to go to New York, it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know that you want to announce that you're going to New York to cause a, a, some trouble and commotion. But That's cool, that's though. What we're doing. All right, now. So then tell me a little bit about Live at the Ice House. Live at the Ice House is our creative space. It's our studio. It's where we make our records, where we make our films, um, and it's kind of like a community gathering spot for other artists, musicians, and we come in and we, you know, get together, plot the kink, you know, conquering of the world and what we're going to do. Um, so that's what Live at the Ice House is, and we film that process and then edit it into episodes. And, web series. In a web series, yeah. And so then you bring in other homeless youth to play music and perform and... You know, sometimes, they're, some, they're mostly the ones we bring in are not homeless youth, you know, First and foremost, they're okay. our friends. Yeah, yeah. You know, there are people that we know and and come in and jam with. So. Okay, what's that experience been like for you too? Because obviously you've had a full circle moment and to be able to give back to the community. You know, um, it's kind of hard to get inside of it, but for me, it's just been. Uh, I just feel like it's just some responsibility. I have something that beyond me. I'm just kind of tasked with. You kind of be like, after going through so much struggle, it's like, how could you not come back and be the voice for the voiceless and want to be the activist? I just don't think that in the long run, I, would, I wouldn't have been able to look myself in the mirror had I not uh, sent the elevator back down, as they say. Okay. Yeah. It's the so, next guy yeah. waiting. You know, the That's bottom. cool. <laughs> there <right>. he is. <laughs> so yeah. you guys are connected to my friend's place as well. Yeah. Talk about that connection. Uh uh, my friend's place, I stumbled upon them via, within just months of me getting in California back in uh, 2006. I'd been there one time, and I came back about a, a year later, and I needed their help. But essentially, uh, my friend's place is a wonderful organization that works with a homeless youth between the ages of like 16 to 24, all across, well, <laughs> all across Hollywood. And uh, and the reason why I connected with it was because I went in there, and that was just one of the few places where I wouldn't be judged 
where I could um, where I could get some decent conversation, where folks took an interest in me. You know, I mean, like, it's cool to get food and clothes and whatnot, but uh, my friend's place, I got really close with those guys because when you're on the street, if somebody can just come along and kind of validate your existence and make you feel like you're worth it, you know, you become endeared to those people. And it was actually at my friend's place that to where they were one of the first people in Hollywood to really notice that, hey, this kid's got something. So they kind of started moving walls to create opportunities for me to be more creative via it be through their music room or through their recording studio and and then that mix I made friends with some people from Cirque du Soleil and it just kind of snowballed and we're and now we're all really kindred like to each other so it's pretty cool that's cool yeah what's like a cool story you can tell us about helping out with somebody that I don't know just give us give us some good moments <laughs> Me, I mean, I've helped a yeah, lot of people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think the one thing that um, it stands out is we created this program called Right Off the Street. Okay, and that program is a combination of guitar lessons, songwriting, poetry that we teach to at-risk and homeless kids here in LA. And uh, these are young kids. These are sometimes, I think our youngest was about 11 years old. Oh, wow. And each of their stories are unique. But the one thing that is common is that they never had any stable family environment. So they come to the table with a lot of baggage. And they are used to keeping that all inside. And what we were teaching these kids is, you know, how to channel that, get it out on paper and create something artistic and some form of expression. And the stuff that we would get from these kids um, was huge. It was sad at one point, but, you know, I think you have these little breakthrough moments, connections, like Ish just described, where this, you know, where you have a group of five, six kids, and one of them you really connect with. You really tell that, you know, they want to tell you their story, Mm -hmm. and they're writing, and they're really engaged. Uh, Unfortunately, with a lot of these kids, they come and go. You know, you you have this connection. You meet with them, um, you know, for a couple months, and then they just disappear, and no one knows where what happened to them. Um, but I, if I could point to one story, that would be it: is the connections that we've made with a lot of those kids, okay. uh, and being able to help them express, you know, what they've got bottled bottled up inside. What do you think is the biggest misconception about homeless youth that just your average Joe would think? I would say that uh, homeless in general and specific homeless youth is a symptom. It's not a problem. It's not the lack of a home. It is the end result of a life of uh, of an economic system that has created a a poverty in all sense of the words um, in their upbringing. And these kids are born into this in most cases. Sure, as you get older, you have the ability to make your own decisions, but a lot of decisions are made for kids based on who their parents are and where they were born. So a lot of these kids end up on the street as just a default uh, of what their circumstances are. And by the time they reach 15, 16, 18 years old, you know, they're pretty set. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very hard with the absence of just overwhelming attention uh, to change that. And I think that would be the one thing I would point out that, you know, it's not an easy fix. You know, it's, it's a whole life long process that you have to get in front of and that's hard to do without just overwhelming effort yeah what do you think people that are listening can do to sort of get involved and help 
What I say is that we have opportunities around us, each of us, every day. Um, and stop looking for the big one. There are a million small yeah. ones that are swimming around you in every given you know, capacity. Whatever you're passionate about, you know, we're passionate about music. Um, whatever you're passionate about, get involved. Just be mindful of the opportunities. And it will take a million small actions as opposed to one big one uh, if we're ever going to want to change this. That's awesome. Um, so now we need to talk about the Miley Cyrus thing that happened, obviously. Because I know you guys have a Jesse Holt connection uh, y- Yeah, you know, um, uh, to put it, yeah, we shot a music video called In the Street. And uh, that was where I first met Jesse. He's actually in that music video. I know Jesse through a very close friend of mine named Joshua Douglas. And where we all intersect in this story is that all three of us were going through my friend's place at around the same time at one uh, different point or another. Okay. And uh, and it's become a real testament to just the work that my friend's place does and uh so that's that's my connection to uh Jesse and when he uh I'm sorry it's good to see him get exposed and it's good to see him get his validation yeah like as a uh, a person you know when you look at when you look at Jesse Helt I don't know if you believe the american dream is an idea or if it's just some kind of belief but if you look at people like Jesse Helt and if you look at people like me you're going to have to to realize that it's not just a dream. Yeah. It's not just a myth. We're the living proof that, yeah, you can be nothing, bro. Nothing. And and if you're willing to go after it, man, you can be king if you really, really want to. But the other part of it is, too, is that there are many Jesse Heltz yeah. and, and mm. Ishmael Herrings out there. He mentioned Joshua, fantastic singer-songwriter. Mm. A lot of these kids out there are hugely talented. Um, they just don't have the opportunity uh, so anytime, you know, someone like Miley Cyrus can come and bring attention to an individual or a, a place like my friend's place, um, you know, even if it's fleeting, even if it disappears and we forget about it in a month, it's valuable because it raises the awareness. Yeah. And here we are today talking about it. So the more airtime, the more times that we can bring attention to the problem and the people that are actually trying to do something about it, the bigger chance you may have to inspire someone else to say, hey, I'm passionate about this, too. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to make a donation. I mean, if you go to My Friend's Place website, their Facebook page, every month there's an opportunity to participate, an opportunity to get involved. And like I said, it's those little things um, that make a difference. I think it's important, too, to put a face to it because then it's just not a statistic. These yeah. are real people with real problems. Well, I'll tell you this. We saw yeah. Jesse, you know, again, at the on the filming of the video and you know how he looks yeah but when he was up on the vmas it was like holy cow i didn't realize yeah he's that's a good looking kid <laughs> <laughs> cleans up nice he cleans up nice he, he looked great that's yeah. awesome well i think what you guys are doing is so great um before you go we're gonna play a fun little game right. okay um this might be embarrassing for you now that we know about the music you download but <laughs> <laughs> this is called what's on my playlist so i'm just gonna give you some songs i have final cut on this right no this is all gets this edited. is live oh, this is shoot. live <laughs> okay, okay what is your go-to breakup song you are asking two people that are going to be very challenged ish <laughs> i breakup song don't have one but if I did it would probably be you know what why not crazy by Casey and Jojo okay 
Alright. That's a good one. Uh, Come on, help me. Give me a name. No Give idea, me a name. Man. Um I am going to go with um I, can I pass? Can I get a lifeline? <laughs> get a lifeline. This is your one pass. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay, what was your song of the summer? Oh, I know I had a song of the summer. Oh, man. I'm going to sound... I know they were... Oh, yeah. It was uh, The Heavy, Curse Me Good. Okay. Yeah. Then I'm going to have to go with Fancy. Fancy, that's your jam? <laughs> that's my jam. <laughs> it's all right. got to have a guilty pleasure. Mm. Uh, what's the song you cry to? This is getting deep. Um, I could say "Leave On" by Elton John. Okay. If I'm in the right, you know, if I'm right there, you know. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, "Baby Got Back." Oh, that that makes you cry. It makes me cry <laughs> in a, a good way. Brings a little tear to my eye. <laughs> What's the first song that you perform live? Um, previously, it's been uh, "Be With Me," which was kind of a song that we wrote together okay. for the last album. That's awesome. It was uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, Kindergarten. Oh, okay. you're talking the first one that we've ever played <laughs> yeah. live. I, I, you know, I got to get the, get with a program on these questions. Go way back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think it would be in school, and it would be uh, Breaking the Law by Judas Priest. Okay, that's, that's a good one, Rudolph Judas Priest. Okay, so the the album is on iTunes right now. It yeah. is. Tell us a little bit about the album and why we should get it. Ah. Uh, for me personally, I think the album is good because it's a it's a human album. It's the stories. Okay, what did I say? To me, the album comes across as a love letter to humanity and something we've lost. It also speaks to some of the things we've gained. I think it's a I think it's worth buying because we we prove that you can sit down and don't be afraid to either write or listen to or make just good songs that um, that feels good to you. And I think because of that, the album has come out really well. And uh, honestly, um, on some parts of the album, folks haven't heard something like this in a long, long time. Okay. Yeah. I think we put our heart and soul in it. So, you know, we made the album that we wanted to make, and it truly is... Uh, a combination of our very odd and you know dissimilar you know personalities and upbringings and everything <laughs> and it's unusual in that sense so we really put together an album that i think we're happy with proud of and represents who we are and if anyone comes to it and listens to it and finds a piece that they can identify with then you know i'm happy i think that would be awesome and it's good i listened to it today it's really good uh, uh, one more thing i i forgot it just makes you feel good. Oh, perfect. <laughs> That's good, saying, though. You need yeah. that. He was saying that the entire time we were recording. Because doesn't this feel good? Don't you feel good? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I feel, yeah, feel good. Yeah, I feel good. Do you guys have any plans to take it on the road? Well, we're going to be, if, unless we get arrested in New York, the first time we're going to be playing a lot of these songs are acoustically out there. Oh, okay. Out in the trenches. Hmm. Uh, and then we are doing an event here in L.A. Uh, for the Friends Movement. And it uh, looks like that's going to be on the rooftop of Madame Wong's, which should be a good event. So we're, awesome. we're really excited about that. So that's what's coming up in the very near future. That's exciting. Well, thank you guys so much for coming in today. Thank Why you. Why don't you go ahead and plug your websites and all your organizations? All right. So everything William Pilgrim starts at liveicehouse.com. 
and you can go to Facebook, see our episodes. We are on Twitter at Pilgrim William, and come check us out. That would be great. You can also speed on over to MFP.org or MyFriendsPlace.org if you want to hear more or see more about the work they're doing in the community. Awesome. Well, thanks again, guys, for coming in today. ABTV Network. <laughs> thanks for having us. You got a new job. <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure to rate and subscribe to After Buzz on iTunes. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Jason Nightclair. We will buzz you guys later. Alrighty. From executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 